0: That puts these water wells and sand filters in homes. As you saw, that cream looking water <laughs> that's what they've been drinking, it's <clears throat> all they have. Most of the time, they walk anywhere from two to four hours to find water and then walk back. If I were to show you the whole video, it's 22 minutes long, you would see a woman start out with her empty bucket. And in the course of the 22-minute video, you would see her get water and then take it back. And she carries it on her head along with her child that's strapped to her back. And that's her routine. Active water, why they pick Zambia, I don't know. And CIY is teaming with them. And they're going to Zambia to help with the water situation. $5,000 digs a water well that water well will literally change thousands of lives you saw all those children with their colored cups they were waiting at a school to receive fresh water <clears throat> they have to bring their own cup but they were getting water most of those children are orphans they're orphaned because their mom and dads have died from disease from the water that they try to drink you and I take it for granted we turn the tap on it comes out it tastes okay and here we go we gripe about the smell of it sometimes. We buy bottled water and we throw away more bottles than we need to. But I'm telling you, it's an amazing thing. CIY set out this summer to try to raise $40,000 to put in five, uh, let's see, that'd be eight wells. Eight wells. The sand filters that go in the homes were what interested me. They can take the dirty water, pour it in the top, it goes down through the sand, and then eventually uh, pours out pure. Because the sand filters out all the in, impurities. $75 puts a sand filter in a home. And it can literally change lives. The little girl in the, in the trailer who was laying there on the bed doubled up. Her name was Abigail. And Abigail was a, a young person that was sick. So sick she could barely even stand up. And she, her stomach hurt all the time because she had some bugs. Uh, some bugs living in her stomach but they got the fresh water to her she began to drink the water and now she's in school trying to set an example to all of the people in her village that you can succeed and you can accomplish something great as she takes care of her other siblings today i'm going to talk to you about what we learned at CIY i want to talk to you from uh, the maiden messages there was five timeless themes that we talked about out of first and second timothy And we're going to spend some time going through those. I want to start this morning with the idea of grace. And if you have your Bibles, or you want to look on the screen, you can do that. We're going to be at 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 12 through 17, where Paul is talking to his protege. uh, He is mentoring a young preacher named Timothy. And he says to him, I think." Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that He considered me faithful, appointing me to His service. And as I have it underlined up on the screen, I would love for you to underline it in your Bible. Verse 13, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying and that deserves full acceptance, and we read those this morning. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display His unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on Him and receive eternal life verse 17 now to the king eternally immortal, visible the only god be honor and glory forever and ever amen we could do a whole sermon just on verse 17 paul considered himself the chiefest of sinners the greatest of sinners he never saw himself any other way sometimes we get pretty proud don't we sometimes we think we're something Sometimes we think God really can't get along without us being a part of the kingdom. <laughs> we we float around and we talk. Preachers are real bad about this. Preachers are real bad about thinking that they're really something else. Seemed seems like the bigger the church, the more they think that. I'm telling you, it's an amazing thought. Amazing thing. But what did... What did Paul try to teach Timothy in these verses that we just read about grace? First, there in verse, uh, verse 12, he says, Christ considered us faithful because He has appointed us to His service. Kingdom work doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to be a minister in a church, a preacher of the gospel. Kingdom work means whatever you're doing to earn money, you're going to do it for the kingdom. Amen? Because you see, that's what kingdom work is. Someone opened their, their card and they took the challenge to every week they're going to invite somebody for fifty two weeks. They told me this morning, they said, Boy, we invite them, they just didn't come. I said, Keep inviting. Keep inviting. Keep inviting. Don't stop. Don't stop because you never know that one person that you invite who may come 85% of people who join a church join because somebody invited them to come that's it keep inviting and realize that he's appointed us to his service so I guess the, the best question to ask is what service are you involved in not what you used to do what are you doing now And you may not be doing much at the church, but what are you doing outside the church? What kingdom work are you doing? How are you being involved in the lives of people to help them? What way are you paying back for the gift that God has given to you? It's a great question. Because He gave you and me a great gift, the gift of salvation. So what are we doing? How are we paying back that gift? Are we taking other people in? Are we helping other people? If somebody helps you, you need to turn around and help somebody else. Amen. We don't go through things in life without being able to turn around and help other people. Diane now, when somebody says, I have cancer, Diane's going to understand more now what that means and feels like than she did before the diagnosis. Not that that I'm, I'm happy that she got it. I'm not. But now she understands more. Sherry understands what it means to go through chemo and to go through radiation. Trey, Austin, they shared their testimonies about alcoholism and overcoming that. They know now. If somebody says, boy, I just can't stop drinking, they know what that feels like and they know how to stop it. That's the exciting part. You see what I'm saying? You don't go through it without being able to turn around and give it back. And he says right here to Timothy... God considered me faithful, appointing me to His service. Christ came into the world to save sinners because I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man. Wow. Well, I didn't do any of that stuff, Preacher. I I just kind of, you know, I just didn't do much. I know it's warm in here. I apologize. We're doing everything we can to work our little air conditioners to death here in in the heat of the summer. So... Stay with me. Hey, we could be in Zambia, Africa. <laughs> they don't have air conditioning. Or we could take you on our people mover for 12 hours. God love you out there. Alright? Now, verses 13 through 15 tell us this. Our past should not hold us back. He described Himself as a blasphemer, persecutor, violent man. But mercy was shown to Him. And mercy is shown to us. We receive God's grace, it says, abundantly. And then in verses 15 and 16, Christ has a mission. He came to save sinners and the key is how we view ourselves. If you think you are something special and He saved you, and what well, it makes sense that He's going to save me over anybody else. <laughs> you need to crawl back up to the cross. Speaking of the cross, do you notice anything different about our cross today? We had 86 in church last Sunday, 48 of you turned in red cards. They're all stapled up there. Two cards had nothing on them. That's okay. That meant you put something from here on there. You didn't put it here. No problem. Those cards are stapled to the cross, and I did that for a purpose. God has taken care of it. Jesus has taken care of. Whatever it was, there are no names on these cards. But I would encourage you sometime just to slide up here. They won't stay up there forever. But over the next few weeks, slide up there and take a look. It may surprise you. It may surprise you what some of the struggles are in people's lives. And there's some pretty honest ones up there. We also have a box that's sitting up here on the table. And then there's some pads right there and a pen. Maybe there's a silent prayer request that you've got. You've been praying about it for years and you want to just make sure that God hears you one more time. That's what that's there for. Write it down, fold it, put it in a box. It's locked. It's locked. Just put it in there. God will know. I just want to give you that opportunity. We're not perfect people. And sometimes it seems like the harder we try on our own the bigger the mess we make. Paul experienced that firsthand in the early part of his life. His story reminds us that no matter how far off base we've gotten with God, His love is sufficient no matter how big of a sinner you think you are, God's grace can reach the worst of sinners. And for that we should yell hallelujah. Grace, truth. Speak it up at 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 3. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These promote controversies rather than God's work which is by faith. The goal of this command is love which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have wandered far uh, away from these and turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they are so confidently affirm. Verse 8, we know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels and ungodly and sinful and unholy and irreligious. For those who kill their fathers or mothers for murderers, for adulterers and perverts, for slave traders and liars and perjurers and For whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which is entrusted to me. We live in a culture that believes we can act like the world acts and it's okay. And it's not okay. It is not okay. You need to clean up and get right and listen to the truth. Look at verse 15. Be diligent in these matters. In chapter 4. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress so what Paul teach Timothy here? Number one, false teachers have to be confronted. You got somebody teaching false doctrine, stand up to them. Open the word of God and hammer them. What are you afraid? You got the king of kings, the almighty God on your side. Stand up. Say the word. They'll run. Guarantee They'll run. Well, they might kill me, preacher. Woo! I win. <laughs> this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Any of you know that song? Some glad morning when this life is o'er. What you going to do? I'll stay on this earth. No, we want to get out of here. Amen. If this, Paul says in Corinthians, if this is the only thing we have to hope for, this life alone, we are of all people most miserable. Hey, I would say amen. I would say amen. Mark's in Scotland all summer. The high temperatures have been in the 60s. I won't talk to him anymore. I mean, every picture we see of him, he's wearing a jacket. I thought, just get over yourself. That's right. He'll fly into Dallas on August the 10th, <laughs> and his whole world's going to change. <laughs> Mainly because he's got to see his mother, so I mean, his whole world's going to change. But you see, these false teachers promote controversy instead of God's work through faith. The law is a good thing if it's used correctly, he's teaching Timothy. People who get excited and upset about things in church are people who aren't participating. You know, when the preacher preaches on tithing, people get upset about him talking about, he talks about money all the time. Why? Because they don't give anything. Hello. <laughs> well, I seem like that's all he does. I know, I just keep doing it. I just love it. I love it to watch you. Oh, I don't do it that way. I do it to challenge you and encourage you. The thing about tithing that's important to understand is how blessed you become because you do it. I'm just trying to get you to grab hold and know that blessing. It's awesome. Evangelism, same thing. Teaching, same thing. Serving, the same thing. People get upset about being asked to serve. It's because they're not serving. Well, how do you know I'm not serving? (laughs) Okay, excuse me. Law is for rebels, ungodly and sinful people who... Pr- Boy, he gave a pretty good list, didn't he? He gave a pretty good list. There's several lists of ungodly people. The one I love the most and I share with young people is disobedience to parents. <laughs> How many young people can say, I am never, ever, ever disobedient to my parents? Put your hand down. Boy. <laughs> He also talks about liars. Never mind. (laughs) Timothy encouraged to give himself. his encouraged totally to the truth of Scripture. Doctrine is important in a corrupt culture. When people want to twist the gospel of Jesus to fit their own agendas and lifestyles, Christians must stand strong for the simple truth of who Jesus is. It's vital to the mission of Christianity. We cling to the truth not to win arguments, but to win souls. Scripture teaches it's not the world that needs to change for God to bless. It's His people that need to change for God to bless. He says, If my people who are called by my name will seek my face, humble themselves, and pray, then I'll hear from heaven and heal their land. If my people who are called by my name, so, so there's the problem. We Christians are trying to live like the world when we ought to be trying to live like God, which leads me right into the third theme that we learned during CIY week, and that's godliness. Let's look at First uh, Timothy four and First Timothy six. We'll pick it up at verse seven in First Timothy four. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather. "...train yourself to be godly." 4. Physical training is of some value, but godlessness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, and for this we labor and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially of those who believe." Chapter 6 and verse 6, "...but godliness with contentment is great gain." We need to understand that godliness costs you something. Godliness is something you have to work at. You're not just going to be godly. You've got to work at being godly. You've got to unhitch wagons that you've been pulling behind you for a long time. You've got to change some habits. You've got to start doing things different, think things different, act things different the way you, than you did before. Anybody I've ever known that had an addictive behavior had to change the behavior. Hello? And they had to give somebody freedom to get in their face and remind them, but you got to change this. And and I know they accepted every time somebody's standing up to them, you're an alcoholic. I am not. I am not. As they staggered and walked away. You know, I can't smell it. You can't smell it on me. Oh, Okay. If I lit a match, we'd all burn up here. Okay. I, I don't have an anger issue. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny how that works isn't it you try to be calm you try to keep yourself under control and then something gets said or someone says something, and what happens that thing inside of you that you can't control that rage because I'm still in the process of godliness and so are you it flies out doesn't it it's the craziest thing I've ever seen we don't want to act that way but here we go what did Paul say in Romans 7 the thing I want to do is what I find myself not doing and the thing I want to do is I'm I, I, I'm not doing. And he called himself an old wretched man. So you know if Paul's struggling, maybe it's okay if I struggle. But the bottom line is I need to work at godliness. So what Paul tried to teach Timothy, he said, train yourself. We're to get involved with godly matters, godly things. If we train ourselves in the following four areas, we will grow. In godliness. Number one, encounter God every day through His Word. Encounter God every day through prayer. Always gather with other believers. Don't stop gathering together. And number four, give away the good news to anyone who will listen. He also teaches him by pursuing godliness, you are preparing yourself for heaven. And by being content where you are is a good thing as long as you grow in your godliness. Don't just sit. Don't just go, well, I'm okay. Don't believe because you've gone through the waters of baptism that all of a sudden you've got nothing else to do. Woo, mercy. There's a whole lot more to do. Be grateful for the gift that's been given you. Produce fruit. Jesus time and time again taught. Uh, John 15, great chapter uh, he, he taught about the vine. And, and the vine, if it's not growing the fig tree, if it's not producing, it's cut down and thrown into the fire. It's an illustration of us. If we're not producing, He cuts us off, Those, us. Off. Oh, well, God wouldn't do that. Well, why would He keep you around if you're not producing anything? Just because? Because you look good? <laughs> For some of us, that leaves us out, doesn't it? Oh, you got to be producing. So what am I supposed to produce? Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine of them. Start working there. That'll work. The greatest thing you can do is reproduce yourself. Bring more people. Bring more people to Christ. Bring more people to the Lord. Bring more people to salvation. Whoo! That gets the devil upset. (laughs) You want the devil to come beating on your door? You start bringing people to Christ. He'll be knocking you out. Oh, it'll be brutal. I'm gonna tell you ahead of time. So, so if you don't want to do, if you don't want the devil messing with you, then don't mess with that. But like I said last week, if you don't feel the devil messing with you, then that means he don't care about you because he's already got you. <laughs> Ooh. I'll say it a second time because repetition is a good thing. Runners don't try to run a marathon. They train. They sweat. They put forth the effort. Lynn Caleb's a marathon runner. I don't know how she does it. 26 miles without stopping. I told her I'd run with her sometime. That sometime never gonna come, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> my job that I've discovered with, when, when I'm out training with Lynn is that I'm, I'm driving the car to take her back home. That's, that's my job. I'm gonna set it to end with cold water and a fan blowing on me while she's running. Doing me a lot of good, isn't it? I, I, I couldn't run two feet, let alone 26 miles. But they train, they put forth effort. And likewise, Christians aren't expected to just try to be good. Living like Jesus doesn't happen by mistake. You have to desire holiness. You have to want to fight against sinful nature. Salvation is free, but sanctification takes work. You're saved right now, but boy, you're sanctified. There's there's the change agent. Are you the same as you were today as when you found the Lord however many years ago? You shouldn't be. In fact, he tells Timothy in chapter 4 that your progress should be evident to all people. Hello. It ought to be some measurement that you're growing in your walk with God. Next theme, influence. Pick it up in chapter 4. In fact, these verses I was just referencing. Command these things... And teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and in purity. Five things. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Do not neglect your gift which was given to you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Fifteen. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Influence. Influence. Who's influencing you? And who are you influencing? It's not enough to be influenced. You've got to give it away. You've got to give it away. Leah was describing how, uh, how, the, how the baby responds to, uh, how Addison responds when, uh, when Shelby walks in the room. She just kind of puckered up and not doing too well until dad comes home and then all of a sudden turns the charm on. Starts smiling. And when he walks away, she just rolls her head watching him wherever he goes. Because she wants Dad to stop and pick her up. We know what's going on. Because Grandma's been mean to her all day long. But Dad comes home. Everything's good, right? Sure. I mean, he's already already taking his wallet out and giving her money. It's just unbelievable. Influence. You never know who's looking at you. You never know who's looking at you. Stop and consider who might be watching you. In everything that you do, in every place that you do it, you have no idea. We can all get mad. We can all throw up a fit. We can all do those things. But boy, influence is I'm going to be even killed. I'm going to be the same today, yesterday, and forever. What you see is what you get. Am I the same on Sunday as I am on Monday? On Wednesday? Friday afternoon? (laughs) It's been said, if you're going to buy a new car, make sure it's built between Tuesday and Thursday. Don't buy it built on Monday and don't buy it built on Friday. Why? Because they're out of there. My favorite story about that is the guy got a a brand new car, drove it for a little while, and they started having a rattle in the right uh, corner area, back area. They took it to the dealership and they took the seats out and they looked, couldn't find a thing. But it kept kept knocking, kept rattling, so finally they took the under undergirding out from under the fender <clears throat> and a bottle fell out. And in the bottle was a note and it said, makes a heck of a noise, doesn't it? Well, there you go, there's our there's our labor unions right at it. I bet that was a Monday or a Friday. <laughs> Influence. Believers should set the pace. He tells Timothy, by five areas of your life, speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Man, we could go on, there's a whole message there. Each of us have been gifted by God. Don't neglect it. Diligence, pain. It takes pain in the things of God, especially to control your speech, your conduct, your love, your faith, and your purity. Everyone wants to be a leader, but few people have what it takes to be influential. The latter is what Christians should strive for. It's not about a title or a position of power. It's about living a lifestyle that is so different that it makes the gospel contagious. It's about keeping Christianity weird. (laughs) Peter says we are a peculiar people. Not, Not because we have quirks, but because things that drive us don't drive the world. We get excited when... Somebody finds a water well in Zambia, Africa. That's exciting stuff. To watch it turn away, turn people's lives around. And then the last theme that we learned through the week was endurance. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and in chapter 4, we find these words. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kind of, kinds of things happened to me and Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra and persecutions I endured. Yet, the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, what does it say? What's your say? What's it say on the board? Will be, say it out loud, will be, everybody who wants to live a godly life will be, get ready. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then chapter four, Second Timothy at verse one. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead in the view of His appearing in His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the Word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you... Keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. i fought the good fight, i finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to those who have longed for His appearing. I've tried to put that verse in Philippians for years, but here it is right there in 2 Timothy 4. What's Paul teaching Timothy? Even though you might suffer for Christ, He'll rescue you. He'll rescue you from any situation. If you're going to be a Christian, you will suffer. Learn Scripture as early as you can. You cannot minimize ages 5 to birth. You can't minimize what they learn. You should be singing the songs. You should be reading the Bible stories. You should be teaching them. I had lunch with a friend this week and his daughter uh, just astounded them. She came home and she said, Dad, this this daughter is five years old. She said, Dad, 28 kids today in Bible school class gave their lives to Jesus. And and, and the mom and dad said, Wow, that's that's awesome. And she goes... I don't think so. Five years old, and they said, "Well, why don't you think so?" She goes, "Well, why do you got to give your life to him? I've had him ever since I was born." Hello, what are your kids picking up? Oh, they can give you all the, they can give you all the the storyline to all this other stuff. (laughs) They can tell you all the funny stuff that was on some website somewhere. They can quote. Stuff from movies and lines from movies. But how much of godliness are they portraying at five years old? Wow. Wow. Is that not awesome? The dad's telling me this story. and He's going, man, I had no idea where that came from. I said, well, somebody's teaching her. Somebody's teaching her. God breathes life into man. And he gives us his word as well. God's Word is God breathed. That's awesome. Just as He put life in each of us, He puts life in His Word and we should respond accordingly. All Jesus wants is all you have. As the worship team comes to help me close. He wants you to stick it out in the hard times. He wants you to surrender everything you hold dear. To pour your life out like an offering. And to risk. We are hopeful because we know that the gospel is larger than all of us. If if it is eternal and the reward is great for those who move. I want you to see this video as we close this morning. If I say I'm of the faith then I must join in the suffering too. I can't walk in fear with a mask on my face and still worship in spirit and truth. If there's no compromise, then there's no escape cause I'm devoted to the holiness of my fruit. Young man, young woman, make straight your way so that the spirit might nurture your roots. Young man, young woman, don't fall away from the faith cause even in the last days, God won't run out of grace. Whose word will be scratching your itching ears? With spirit guide you, power, love, or fear. Preach the word, but with your life. Live your life, but live it right. Live right, but live in truth. Take up your cross like Christ, because your life is the gospel's proof. So when God calls a soldier to fight, you be ready to move. Father, we thank you that we have an opportunity to stand and to move. It's not enough to just stand. We've got to move. We've got to move out. We've got to practice grace. We've got to practice truth. We've got to practice godliness. We've got to be an influence in the lives of people. And then, Father, we've got to endure. We've got to endure to the very end, even to the giving of our lives for Your kingdom. For your sake. We are soldiers in a battle. There is a war going on for the souls of men and women. Young people. God we need to stand. We need to move. We need to do something for your kingdom. That will make a difference. So God as we stand today. As we sing this song today. Are we ready to surrender? Are we truly ready to surrender? Because surrendering means... Something's taken captive of me. So Father, is their heart surrendering to You today? In Jesus' name, Amen.